What is up, wrestling fans? Welcome to a brand new episode of your favorite wrestling podcast. That's right. It is Ringside Rewind. And I am, of course, one half of the podcast wrestling tag team champions of the world. Chris Jardine, a.k.a. Snaggle J. And as always, accompanying me, it's my main man with the hot tag, Mr. Chris Doyle. What's going on, buddy? Actually, it's not Chris Doyle today. What's happening is because he's in, like, if you're a man down, you always need somebody else to join in on them big factions. So I'm the man for the job. Today, I'm Kurt Angle. So you're being replaced by Kurt Angle, who was uh, the stooge uh, stand-in for Billy Gunn. On, uh, <laughs> I said, I, I tweeted out uh, that um, Kurt Angle was doing Billy Gunn cosplay. Uh, last night in an angle that I thought was absolutely hilarious. Well, yeah. Oh, yeah. thank you. Thank you all for tuning into this episode of Ringside Rewind. Of course, it is going to be very largely dedicated to the 30th anniversary of Raw, which, as you're listening to this, aired two nights ago um, on Monday, January 23rd. Um, and we're going to be talking today uh, after we do a brief little uh, talk about Raw XXX. Um, talking about some of our favorite moments in the history of Raw, not in any particular order, just reminiscing about some of our uh, some of our favorite uh, Raw moments from the last thirty years. Uh, Chris, did you get a chance to watch Raw Triple X in its entirety? And if so, what did you think? Uh, I made it until just about. Uh, 11 o'clock our time, which would have been the uh, Bianca Belair, uh, Sonya Deville match. That's when I kind of tapped out. Not for any reason for that. That's just because um, I had I my eyes were shutting, so I, I shut down there. Up to that point, I really enjoyed that show. That was a heck of a two-hour show. I think, I think realistically, right, it, to me... It seemed like they were trying to atone for a lot of the mistakes that were made at Raw 25. With the multiple venues, uh, it was a really convoluted show. Um, I, I feel like there was a really conscious effort done to have this Raw 30 show without it taking away too much from what's currently happening and the current crop of WWE superstars. I mean, yes, you know, the, the two things to me that, that obviously were, were big negatives. First of all, you knew they were going to do it, but for the love of God, did we have to start the show with Hulk Hogan? I mean, like again, right. And I said it on Twitter because I, you know, I was, I was tweeting back and forth with people over the weekend who, you know, again, at this point, Hulk Hogan is is a uh, laughing stock, you know, because of the things that he's done and the things that he said and and the way he handles himself, you know, in his in his post wrestling life. Um, and I mean, probably and during his wrestling life, you know, all the stories that have come out about how he kept talent down and all this stuff. Anyway, Hulk Hogan at this point to me is essentially a joke, but doesn't minimize the impact he had on wrestling. And obviously, you know, I said over the weekend. It doesn't matter how much you vilify Hulk Hogan, he'll get the biggest pop uh, Monday night. And, and I think it was up there, um, you know, even though he was only on the screen for two minutes. The other big negative for me was the cutting of the cage match. I mean, 
you know, it was, it was, it was, it had the potential to be something very exciting. I understand why you do it. You know, you only have so much time in a three hour show and, uh, you know, you, you have the, the think main about of, what you just said there. You but, only but, have so much time on a three hour show. You only have so much time in a three hour show where you're trying to fit in all of these, um, historic acts right you had the you know the trial of Sami Zayn, which was phenomenal you had the the subsequent Amazing. you had the subsequent tag team title match which was awesome great storytelling you had the whole dx bit um leading into the six-man tag you had the main event with uh, again are you going to cut the main event which has the the return of brock lesnar i mean no you're not going to um i think they made a, a the best they could out of a bad situation where they just didn't have the time to have this cage match. Again, I think it's, you know, there's probably other areas we could have cut. Why not just have DX come down and do their shtick and then leave, cut the six man match. But I'm not the guy that gets paid to make those decisions. But Listen, over- booking is hard. Yeah. So triple H said again, I um, think, I, but I think for the full three hours as a whole, it was a very, very, very good show. I think it was a, a really good way to celebrate 30 years of raw without too much taking away from what's happening currently. Cause I mean, we're, we're five days away from the rumble, right. As of the show air. So you, so you got to get all that stuff in too, right? Exactly. Um, I would have gotten rid of the, uh, Charlotte introduction and all of yeah, that. Yeah, that too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, and just dump that match completely. I don't think it really added anything like that. So, you know, that's kind of where I would have removed it. But given the choice of having the angle or like a three-minute cage match, I think going with the angle was probably the best idea. Yeah, I think so. I think at least they still got to be on the show. They still advanced their storyline a little bit. Um, you know, I, I think it's going to be interesting. I think, again, right, the the bloodline continues to be the best thing in wrestling, too. I don't I, – I feel like we could dedicate the entire show to talking about that segment and that first hour of Raw. It was that good. Um, uh, there were people on Twitter saying that, you know, that in the 30 years of Raw, it's one of the best segments they've ever seen. I think that's a bit much. I think it's one of the best segments we've seen in recent memory. Um, you know, I, I think there was this thought, you know, and, and I mean, again, right? Who saw Jay Uso coming back to be the guy who saved Sammy, right? He was the guy. Like, it's just such good storytelling. Jay was the guy who didn't like Sammy and was skeptical of him from the beginning. And now he's the guy that comes back and, and you know, is the reason that Sammy Zane gets to stick around. I am wondering. So here's, here's what I don't like. To me, I feel like the, the, the Jimmy Uso injury is not legit. Oh, I don't think so either. And I feel like, again, with the referee throwing up the X and stuff, I feel like that sort of delegitimizes actual injuries to me. Like, we've become conditioned, right, that, you know, the X is the symbol the referees use when there's a legitimate injury in the ring. 
And the referee throws the X up here. And, you know, so at that point, we're legitimately concerned that Jimmy's hurt, that he did something to his knee, something to his ACL, you know, what that. Obviously, this was scripted to happen. I just feel like, to me, I don't like that they use the X there. Yeah, there's um, other ways to get that done or other than using. I mean, just have him fall and start going backstage and have Adam Pierce come out. Uh, again, I, I know it's a minor thing and it's very old man yells at the cloud of me. But like, I, I again, I don't like. It would be like. You know, if, if they feigned a guy having a concussion, right? Like, it's a sensitive thing. Like, injuries in sport are huge right now. Like, and again, that symbol that we've become conditioned to mean it's a real injury, I don't like it being used. I understand they're trying to make the storyline seem real, but nobody in their right mind is believing that Jimmy Uso hurt his knee and then, you know, all of a sudden Sami Zayn's going to, like, obviously that was scripted to happen that way. Yes. Um, I, I just don't like the X being used there. I don't like it. Uh, I'm a big fan of Judgment Day. I want them to be together forever. Yeah, I like it. Uh, Dom and uh, uh, Rhea together is great. Finn, I've always been a Finn Balor fan, but this incarnation where he seems to be a lot more... This is more the the... Prince Devitt we've seen in Bullet Club. Yeah, I feel like the Finn Balor that we got we've gotten in WWE so far. I just feel like Finn's one of those guys that he 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 doesn't succeed as well outside of a group. I yes. like like I do not see the 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 single appeal of Finn Balor. I don't. I I I never did in WWE anyway. I felt like cuz I just feel like you know he doesn't he doesn't talk a lot. I mean when he does it's good. But, like, I just don't feel like he has the type of character where he can, in WWE's landscape, I feel like he's just another middleman, right? Like, he's just another mid-carrot guy that can easily get lost in the shuffle. And, yes, you can do the demon stuff once or twice a year, sure, and that makes him unique. But I find he's so much better when he's with a group. Well, I mean, in reality, he's spent a lot of his pre-WWE time in groups in Japan. He was in a tag team called Apollo 55. And then into the Bullet Club. Then he came into WWE. Like, and some of his best times in WWE were with the OC. Or and then we moved on to like Judgment Day. Really is he is better as the final boss that you need to get to to get. You have to get through everybody else to get to him. Yeah. In my opinion. Yeah, I feel like it. Uh, um, that's pretty accurate. But yeah, and and Damian Priest yep. as well. Is oh, no, just... I love the I love the Judgment Day. I, I I think now that they've gotten away, I mean, I know he'll come back, but now that they've gotten a little bit away from Edge for now, um, you know, I feel like they've really kind of settled in. I, again, I love what they're doing with Dominic Mysterio. Um, you know, the whole jail. <laughs> The teardrop tattoo. It's like it's just again, right? It's when it's when you have a pardon my French, a chicken shit heel who you know is going down this character road, right? It's so unbelievable. That's what makes it fun. Well, and the best part of it is, is that they're not they're playing it up that way too. Like when they were on Ms. TV, Ms. said you were in county lockup for like three hours. Like, yeah. 
slow your roll, dear dude. I but, know. And then Dom comes back with, you don't know what it's like on the inside. Oh, and yeah. and which is just just perfect. And you know who's kind of in the background of this, I think, is got to be Conan, because Conan is a big uh, member of the family for the Mysterios in real life. And he's taking Dom is taking a lot of the stuff that Conan did 20, 25 years ago and updating the look of it. But yeah. still, he like you could tell that he's get taking parts from Uncle Conan's character. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's going to be really interesting to see. Again, like I, I think a big part of character development that a lot of time we don't spend enough time considering is 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 how does it end and then the next phase of that begin obviously teardrop dominic is not something that is going to last forever and obviously there's going to come a point probably at wrestlemania where him and ray have their final battle and and, and, you know and 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 it's going to be where do you go from there you've done such good things from with dominic mysterio since he's got done the heel turn you know gotten into the judgment day the stuff he's doing with raya the stuff he's doing with the teardrop and the jail time like, it's awesome. But now it's like, well, where do you go from here? What's the next evolution of Dominic Mysterio? What, once he eventually um, gets past his father, then what do you do with him, right? I think that's going to be really inter- interesting to see because that part is not really clear. I don't think Dominic Mysterio is, you know, in 2023 going to be a main event player, Um you know, but I think it's going to be interesting to see what they do with him, you know, after WrestleMania and, and going into the latter part of the year, uh, because I think you have a, a pretty raw canvas there um, with which you can sort of sort of craft, you know, a guy who a couple of years from now um, could really be the, the second coming of Eddie Guerrero. Yeah. Right. I mean, it's yeah. not out of, the, out of the realm of possibility. Now, you know what my favorite part of the two hours that I saw was. Oh, all of the times. Uh, oh, well, the, the this week's version of the Cody Rhodes uh, Road to Recovery video, probably. You know. No, I didn't see that. That was in the third. Yeah, I know. It was at it the big. Was, it was at the beginning of the third hour, I think, or in the middle of the third hour. It was L.A. Night. Oh my the, God. The American Badass Undertaker, and my boy Bray Wyatt. I I I loved it. Thought I it was mean. Great. You know, I I think it's great the memes going around the internet of all the things that uh, Taker whispered to Bray Wyatt on his way out of the ring. Um, I threw my own uh, ring in that hat, uh, saying that uh, have you checked out the crab puffs and catering? They're great. Um, Undertaker struggling uh, everywhere around with the bike. Uh, oh, <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't. Um, he couldn't uh, get it. Couldn't it seemed like he had. Well, it seems like he had a problem getting out on the stage in the first place, mm-hmm. and then he almost smashed his knee against the ring post at the last corner. I'm not sure how many people picked up that, but he almost uh, ran knee first into the last ring post before he stopped. Um, and I'm still unsure how he didn't. Uh, and then obviously he couldn't get the bike going again. You, they, they, they for a split second there, you could see somebody in the crowd trying to help him. And then they turn the camera away, and then Bray's just kind of standing there, like, "Come on, man!" Like, <laughs> I mean, this—that's just the epitome of the Undertaker now. And again, well, I am—I am very happy to 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 see 
that American badass come out? Because again, the big focus of the Undertaker since you know last WrestleMania has been that he's just Mark Calloway now, right? He's just this regular guy going out, talk, appearing in all the WWE Network specials, doing this live show that he's doing, just going around being himself. So I think it didn't make a lot of sense to bring the Undertaker character out um, in the in the Dead Man version and instead bring out the American Badass version. And that crowd had no idea what that Kid Rock song was. Uh, no. They popped I mean, I, for the gong and they yeah. popped for the lights and then the, an American Badass come up and... Cowboys I yell, started. I scream. <laughs> I, I, I like, scream. Okay, this is cool. I screamed American Badass for sure. But yeah, it was a good show. Um, I'm very excited for the Rumble. I think, again, right, my my biggest fear is that it's all a foregone conclusion who's going to win the Men's Royal Rumble. Uh, and WWE has sort of painted themselves into a corner now with Cody, where if he wins the Rumble, it's like, well, you basically told us he was going to win it a month and a half ago, and you started airing all these stupid vignettes. And if he doesn't win, then it's going to be like, well, then what the hell was all the vignettes for, and now what do you do with Cody? Because he comes out of the Rumble looking weak. Um, so unless you got something big up your sleeve for the rumble, um, it's going to be interesting to see, but can I give you, can I give you the biggest news of the week for me? Sure. I tried, uh, Mountain Dew pitch black. Oh, how was it? You know what? Not bad. I, okay. I, I'm a guy who, you know, the old, uh, Futurama deal, like, you know, would you like crab juice or Mountain Dew? God, how could you offer me something that disgusting? And then they say, "I'll take the crab. I'll take the crab juice." Yeah. I kind of like Mountain Dew. Um, it's more of a citrusy flavor, which kind of messes with your head because it's a almost like a purple. Uh, it's almost like a purple drink, but it tastes citrusy. Um, but you know, it's it's available out there at your Circle K's. No uh, sponsorship there, but you know, it's apparently exclusively at Circle K. Wonderful. Well, I won't be trying it, so I'm glad you gave us that. You raving. won't be trying it? No. Not even while watching the pitch black match at the Royal Rumble this pitch, Saturday. The pitch black match might be where I go get a snack and use the bathroom. Oh, you. You. Yeah. It's 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 dumb. I, I, I mean, you're a week out. We don't even know what the hell it means, which I guess is maybe for the better. When we find out, it's just a hardcore match where they turn the lighting down. Um. Anyway, we'll see. Um. I'm not very. Ex- I, I'm more excited to see what they do with Bray's character than the match itself. We'll see uh, what happens. We'll we'll talk about that next week. Sure, we will. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. we'll spend the entire episode talking about Captain Howdy, most likely. Uncle Howdy. Um, Captain so, Howdy was a Captain Howdy was a uh, Twisted Sister uh, song. Yeah, so you want Uncle Howdy? Yeah, that's right. So, is there any uh, snack breaks of it in your top uh, mem- uh, moments on Raw over the past thirty years, or do you, <sighs> are these all like you generally described as best parts, or do you have some personal no, uh, ones in there? I think uh, I think. Th- again right you know for me i have a list of there's probably 12 13 um that come to mind like when i start thinking about like my favorite segments of all time i think they're all very notable segments i have a couple that might be like more like your second tier 
um, sort of thing. But, uh, you know, for me, they're all sort of those bigger, a lot of stuff that you would have seen in, in promo videos and stuff, stuff that really so, sticks with me after 30 years. Can um, we knock a couple right off that we both know is on each other's list? Sure. Although we haven't seen each other's list. Mankind yep. wins the title. It definitely. I think that's one of uh, that's, that's a top five all time, uh, raw moment. Austin beer truck, Austin beer truck. Yep. And, and with that, the Kurt angle milk truck, right? Yeah. They kind of go hand in hand. And the Austin Zamboni. Austin Zamboni. Yes. Okay. So those are three that were everybody they're on everybody's list. So we don't need to get real deep into them because everybody knows it because everybody's seen them. Four. Yeah, I think the uh, other I think the other one that's probably on a lot of people's list. Uh, two other ones that and they might not again. These are sort of like you're usually in the running for like three, four, five, six. Um, obviously, the Chris Jericho debut um, is still heavily regarded as one of the greatest debuts in wrestling of all time. Um, you know, even though it has aged uh, 24 years now, that's usually a really big one. The other one that a lot of people will um, will gravitate towards is the Mike Tyson Stone Cold Steve Austin confrontation uh, in the build up to WrestleMania. Um, I think that was sort of that's one of those uh, pillar WWE moments that I don't think you could complete a raw greatest moment list without the Tyson and Austin confrontation and what it meant to that storyline what it meant to the steve austin character and what it meant to the business at the time oh no 100 percent. that is that it was the sports center moment that started the rebound of wwe in the ratings and you know in the attitude era and beating nitro yeah uh, I, bischoff has said that himself once he got the call yep. that mike tyson was going to be on wwe tv he's like oh that could yep. be a problem let's go through some of the other ones what do you got all right, uh, and these are in no particular order. Yep, obviously. Uh, the ECW Invasion of Raw in 1997. Yes. Is, to me, personally, a big one because there was no ECW television here in Canada where we are because um, so, this is before or just before they go on TNN. So getting able to see... The these people that I've only read about in the magazines was really something to me that I'm like, okay, that and that's something that I remember. Yep, that was a big uh, one. Another one for me uh, that uh, is always one I check back on once a year and watch because I thought it was so good was the Nexus Invasion of Raw. Yep, huge one. Uh, Michael Tarver being the first one that you see in that mask is it's always just that that shot of that shows that this is what this is going to be. Mm-hmm. And then when everybody else swarms and yeah. and, and then John Cena it, ruined it. John Cena did ruin it at that SummerSlam like it was the Nexus had the ability to go. I think a couple of more years. There's not Just a single one of them that's still with WWE, right? I mean, Wade, Wade, Bar- Wade Barrett's on commentary. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, well, that'd the be rest, it. The rest of them are gone. The rest of them are gone. Yep. 
Uh, and I'll my third one, and then I'll you can throw three out. Uh, and again, it's not one that needs a lot of talk, but is the CM Punk pipe bomb. Yes, I had that on my list as well. Um, again, I, I think it's hard to make a top whatever or favorite moments list without that the pipe bomb. Again, I mean, it's, you know, regardless of what you think of what CM Punk has done since then, uh, it was still one of those moments where it's like, wow, anytime you see a moment where it makes Vince McMahon or any of the McMahon family look uncomfortable or paints a negative light on them and it's done for effect and done for story, it's, it's so good. Um, so a few of mine, um, Shane McMahon, uh, appearing on Monday Nitro on the simulcast, um, of the final episode of, of Monday night or Monday Nitro when, you know, again, I can't, I count this as a raw moment because, you know, technically it occurred on raw cause it was a simulcast thing. Um, but that was, you know, again, that was sort of the, the, the end of an era for WCW with Shane McMahon walking out on Nitro and the contract reads McMahon but it reads Shane McMahon. Maybe uh, we'll get a replay of that coming up and it will be the name and the contract is Khan, oh but it's God. not, <laughs> not But Nick. it's Tony Khan. Yeah, exactly. Oh, crap. Um, Brock Lesnar's return in 2012. Uh, you know, there was all the stories at the time that it almost didn't happen, that, you know, they were still trying to agree to things backstage seconds before Brock went out. Um, and I mean, it was huge because I mean, a lot of people had just kind of thought, you know, and there were a lot of, uh, you know, dirt sheets and stuff writing at the time that he was coming back, but you sort of believed, right. You know, you had this guy that left WWE at the, at the height of his, um, career and went to do other things, went to do football, went to do UFC, um, you know, was very successful at UFC. Uh, now he's coming back and absolutely just wastes John Cena in the middle of the ring. Uh, you know, and, and what Brock has done in the 11 years since then has really solidified what he was as an entertainer. Um, and I, I think that was a really big moment for Ross, sort of that, because, you know, at, at that time, right, 2012, I mean, the stars were few. Um, so Brock coming back was a, was a huge impact. Uh, on more of a funny sort of thing, um, the Vince McMahon uh, skit at the hospital uh, with, with he had the busted ankle. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, Mankind coming in and then obviously... Uh, you know, everyone will remember uh, Bedpan McMahon, uh, mm -hmm. you know, when Stone Cold hits him upside the head with the bedpan. Again, that... I don't know how I'm going to work this shot. And Vince said, just go ahead and hit me with it. So yep. I hit him with it. Yeah. God and, damn. And, and, you know, in those areas, you know, we talked about the, you know, the beer truck and the milk truck. And, and I, one that's not on my list, but now that I'm thinking of it. And I don't know if it was a raw thing. I think it was a Monday Night Raw thing. Was uh, Stone Cold and Booker T destroying a supermarket? Um, and you know they chased it all over town. They went to a bingo hall, and, and and you know back in that era, it was like, man, how far can they actually go? Um, you know, and and the you know the bedpan McMahon thing was like um, uh, so unbelievable, right? It was unbelievable that they would do that. This is the owner of the company who's portrayed as a character on TV in the hospital. Um, I'll take it from here, nurse. Yeah. <laughs> like it was, it was just, it was so ludicrously unbelievable. 
but that's what made it good. Yeah, that was on SmackDown. Which uh, one? The uh, Super American. The Super American thing. That okay? Maybe that's yeah. probably why I didn't include it. And it it uh, did cost them about uh, Booker T says it cost them between ten and fifteen thousand dollars damage to that. Country. Yes, as I tweeted out recently, uh, one point four million adjusted for inflation in twenty twenty three. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Next for me, uh, once again in no particular order, the Shane O'Mac return. Yep. With the I Vincent, didn't wa- the Vincent J McMahon. Uh, lifetime achievement, achievement whatever the hell award, the award for was. excellence. Yeah. Whatever. Um, had. yeah, it was that was mind blowing. Nobody had that. There was no um, dirty rumors out there at the time. I was not watching. I didn't watch Raw live that night. I was doing something else. But I would look as soon as I saw on Twitter, I went back and rewound Raw to see it, and they pop that that music got yeah. and vince and stephanie played it so well just yep. like great return mm-hmm. um the festival of friendship yes between owens and jericho yes 100 percent. one of the classic places that you got a little funny and then it got really serious really quick with owens and jericho um, and then there's two that are very one personal ones that I like. Uh, Daniel Bryan turning on Bray in the cage match yep. leading to WrestleMania. I think that was a huge moment. It was. Uh, and really led into a, a whole pile of, of other moments, including the takeover of Raw by by Daniel Bryan and all the uh, people in the ring in that. And yep, that agreed. led to the match. That led to the match at WrestleMania. And my final one on my list, and you're going to laugh, but it's um, something that happened that I wish had happened for a longer period of time. Uh, It was the stare down uh, bad versus evil of the Shield and the Wyatt family in just before Elimination Chamber in 2014. I do remember that one actually. That was the uh, Shield and the Y family. That should have been a defining feud for both teams for WWE for yeah. years. Yeah. And unfortunately, for a lot of reasons, we we can't go back to it now. Right. Uh, but uh, that is that was the bottom of my. That was the last oh one I geez. put on my list. Woo. But top like top personally for me. Just the energy in the crowd was amazing. Well, let's go down. I've got I've got a handful left here. Okay. Um, the DX tank invasion, oh. where DX went to Monday Nitro at the Norfolk Scope. Um, you know, it, it, it's been again. It's one of those moments, right? Again, I've talked about it in the last uh, segment uh, where you know it, it's it was hard to believe you know, every week, the the things they would do to un- outdo themselves. This was one of those ones you couldn't believe it. You could not believe that they were r- driving a tank into, uh, you know, WCW's arena. I mean, at the time, most people probably thought, oh, it's just an empty arena. WCW's not really there. But they were. Yeah. A- a- and, and Kevin Nash has said, you know, I was on the other side of the door. And, you know... It- 
WCW, you know, Nash and Bischoff and a bunch of them will say we should have let them in. Yes. Because then they would have been on Nitro. <laughs> and, 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 you know, again, it was just at that point, both companies were doing whatever was necessary to try and one up um, the other company. And, and this was one of those times where it's like, man, you could not believe what was happening. Speaking of, you know, that Eric Bischoff being named the general manager of Raw. A moment, you know, you thought you would never, ever, ever see. You know, this was after the invasion, uh, after Vince, you know, got back control of the company from from Ric Flair and, and that whole foolish angle. Um, he names Eric Bischoff Ra, and there's that moment where they share a long hug on the top of the ramp, and you're left wondering what the hell is happening here. Jerry Lawler had had one of the best calls, one of his best calls ever in that moment where he said, I was in the booth with Vince for all those Mondays. Yeah. And he if wished, he could have got yeah. his hands around Bischoff's throat, he would have done it. Now he's hugging him. Yeah. Yeah. He wished death on Eric Bischoff. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, that goes to show, right, that Vince was a businessman. He He did what was best for business. At that time, and I mean, it was massive. You know, it introduced, reintroduced Eric Bischoff to 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 the wrestling universe, and you know, he's been back several times. Um, you know, on on one offs and stuff. You know, he had this stint in TNA after that, but this was just one of those you, you couldn't believe it moments. Can um, I ask? Can I ask yeah. you a question about that one? Yeah. Do you think it would have been even more surprising if they hadn't done? Before going to break, Booker T running into Bischoff in the back. If I, they had a, or do you think that kind of built things over the break where people may have been calling or texting or whatever we were doing at that time? Eric Bischoff just showed up on Raw. They're going to talk about it after the break. You should watch. I liked it that way because it was different. Like, I, like, Again, right, you know, it, it was something different. It was something out of the normal than what they would normally do, where, again, everybody's debut happens when they hit your music. I think this was one of those things. Did it take something out of it? Maybe. But, again, it was different, and I liked it because it was different. Uh, again, Booker T's reaction was was priceless at the time, right? And, and you know, and I think there was that sort of that, that fear in his face that Bischoff is here. So I didn't hate it in that situation. Um, um, would you rather see it with the original music or his Bischoff's own music? Because the original music on that, when he came out, was ACDC's Back in Black. Yes. No, I, yeah. I, I prefer the I'm back and better than ever. Ooh. I might be in the minority there. But... I think so. Let uh, us know at Ringside Rewind yeah. uh, on Twitter. I was I was perfectly fine with it. I'm back and better than ever. All right, now let's keep rolling down the list here. Um, Becky Lynch suffers a broken nose in the lead up to Survivor Series. Um, uh, again, that's sort of one of those defining women's revolution moments. Obviously, it was the defining moment in in, in the evolution of Becky Lynch's the man character. You know, forever you'll have that image of her standing on the 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 concourse in the crowd with blood just gushing out of her nose, um, and really just was like, man, Becky Lynch is badass. Uh, the and, best thing and, Nia Jax ever did. 
and they strapped the rocket ship to her back and she took them to the moon. Um, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels bury the hatchet in the middle of the ring. Um, I think that was sort of something we never thought we would see. Um, again, right, you know, time heals all wounds, as they say. Uh, and, you know, it, obviously, you know, for them to be able to do it in a WWE setting, you know, Bret Hart is the special host back when they used to have hosts of Raw every week. Um, you know, comes in, calls Shawn Michaels out, and you're like, where is this going to go? And, and you know, they you know, sort of forgive each other and forget. And they, they hug in the middle of the ring. And it was just, you know, it was closing the book on 14 years of, and probably more, I mean, but 14 years of Survivor Series were just animosity uh, and, 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 you know, hatred and the stuff that Sean did, you know, 2005, he goes to Montreal and plays Brett's music when Brett's not there. And like, you know, just to close that book, it was, it was nice to see. And last but not least, and, and listen, I, I wouldn't be doing my journalistic job if I didn't mention the highest rated segment in Monday Night Raw history, which is still to this day, the this is your life segment that Mick Foley put together for The Rock, (laughs) A, a segment that Vince did not want them to do. You know, Mick has told the story. Vince didn't want us to do it, didn't want us to do it, didn't want us to do it. He hated the idea. He thought it was stupid. He didn't want us to do the segment at all. And then finally, somebody got his ear and said, whatever, let them go out there and do whatever the hell they want. And again, to this day, 24 years later, it remains the highest rated segment in Monday Night Raw history. And it was, I mean, never mind the fact that it was absolutely hilarious. It went on forever. It's like a half hour segment. Uh, oh yeah, because they were getting mad in the back because they were going over time. Yeah, and, and I mean, like again, right? The thing pulled like a nine rating. Um, like it was, and it was just so. Again, everything that Rock and Sock were doing at the time was just hilarious, week after week. And but yeah, I mean, that's just you know. Here's the thing, Chris. We could we could dedicate a three hour episode to you know, all things Monday Night Raw. We really, really could. I mean, we, we've talked about, you know, 15, 20 things here. You know, I mean, you could talk about it forever. It's just been, you know, it's every Monday night for the last 30 years. Yeah, I've got the one that popped into my head as you were talking um, was that I enjoyed, and it was a big moment, was the first time that the women main evented which yep. would have been Trish Stratus and Lita, Lita yep. in that women's match. So, yep. like, like you said, every Monday night for 30 years now, yeah. and for a lot of those years, every Monday night there was a moment. So, like you said, we could go on forever yeah. with it. But those are what we think. Tell us what you think. You can do that by going to our website at ringsiderewind.com. Uh, you can also do it on Twitter. We are on Twitter at Ringside Rewind. Uh, we're on TikTok at Ringside Rewind. He is at uh, Snaggle J, and I am at CD Lawrence. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Ringside Rewind. If you're listening on our website, ringsiderewind.com, or in your podcast app of choice on Android or iOS, 
We greatly appreciate you. Reach out to us on social media. Let us know what you thought about Raw 30 uh, and what you think some of the uh, Raw moments we missed. Again, there's all kinds. There's plenty of, you know, we didn't even talk about uh, Steve Austin winning the title from Kane uh, the night after he lost it to him, which was a which was an unreal pop. Or um, Steve Austin returning and clearing. Wait, was that SmackDown or Raw when he came back and cleared the ring with the pool cue? That, oh, was that, was a, raw. That, that was a raw, right? So, I mean, let us know, reach out to us. There's all kinds of moments that we might've missed. Uh, those are just some of our favorites. Uh, we appreciate you for listening to Ringside Rewind. And until next time, be kind and rewind.